200 level, Mike Carpenter from the basement on a rainy, gloomy Tuesday, and these are never the fun podcasts to do. Basketball season's over, and in my life, that happens, well, every single year. It always ends, and it never, to be honest, ends in that much fun of a manner. In my lifetime, I've never seen an Illinois season end with a victory, other than two years ago when you had the pandemic, and that wasn't the way we wanted that to end either. Though I do recall saying on podcasts afterwards that, hey, you know, there are worse ways for seasons to end than getting a big win against Iowa at home. And if this season would have ended the same way with that Sunday victory against Iowa at home, getting the Big Ten title, I think the complete vibe and the energy and feeling that we had for this team would be different. But then the next three games happened, and that would be Indiana, Chattanooga, and Houston. This was a peculiar year, but I want to start with the overall positive, which is somehow, someway, this team, with all their flaws and with their inability to peak throughout an almost 40-game season, they went 15-5 and in the Big Ten, and they won a share of the conference title, something this program has not done in 17 years. And I think there are two things to attribute to that. I think one would be Brad Underwood, and in my mind, the best coaching job he's done so far. And this year, if anything, despite a few questions I had even during the Houston game, this year more than ever, I feel confident that he is the guy. He is the guy for Illinois basketball. We're in good shape. And I don't want to say that he did this with smoke and mirrors because this was still a pretty good team. But to go 15-5 and with all the issues that they were facing, the turmoil in terms of illness and injury and some guys not ever playing at the level you wanted them to, in this case, really Andre Corbello, I'm thinking, wow, how the hell did they go 15-5? and five? It's pretty remarkable when you think about it. But also the players for staying together and despite not being the most talented Illinois team that I've seen and probably not even in the top four or five most talented. I'd, I'd put many teams in the early 2000s and probably last year and the year before that above this one. They still got it done, and that's a credit to them. While it was not pretty, it didn't have to be. They went 15-5, and five, and while I know it didn't always feel like the most incredible run, especially when you start 10-2, and two, and that means that you went, what, 5-3 and three in the last eight games, good enough to get it done. But we saw this engine sort of sputter at the end. Now, there are reasons for that, and I think legitimate reasons. There had to be fatigue at play given the fact that the guys that stayed healthy all year, like a Trent Frazier, they were covering for guys that weren't healthy or guys that were out for COVID. I think there was just a gradual weight that was being placed on these guys' shoulders. And the fact that they were able to come together for that Sunday, Sunday evening against Iowa and get that win against a very good Iowa team, despite being down 15 or maybe even 17 points, I forget, to get that Big Ten title, that's the crowning achievement. That is the signature moment and something that Illini basketball fans will be able to keep with them for the rest of their lives. This is going to be a podcast mostly of gratitude because that's how I feel, much more so than last year when we all felt emptiness, justifiably so. That was a team that had untapped potential and it peaked too early and it just ended so suddenly and... It was really difficult to do podcasts for the next two months after that. And that was when I said, you know what? I'm taking summers off. I, I can't do this. <laughs> and ultimately, things worked out okay. You brought back a pretty good roster and you got a Big Ten title. But I do think that this team essentially accomplished all that you could have asked from them. I would have loved the Sweet 16. 
Trust me, that was what I was really eyeing. In addition to a Big Ten title, that and a Sweet 16 would have made this a remarkably successful season. As it stands, it's still a pretty darn successful season, though you do want to match that March success with in-conference success. That is the kind of stuff that leads to the truly all-time seasons. This is not an all-time season. I think we would probably agree on that, but it is a pretty damn good one, and for that I'm grateful. This is a program that five years ago was dead in the water. There was a Brad Underwood speech that they put up on the Illinois basketball Twitter account, Instagram, all the social media stuff, where he mentioned that about DeMonte and Trent coming in when this program was essentially six feet underground, and that is what it was. It was the absolute depths. Irrelevance didn't even begin to cover what Illinois basketball was, and here we are relevant again, relevant to the point where we have opposing fan bases wanting to poke fun at us when we lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row. We got to take that. This is part of the deal about being a sports fan. We need to take the grief from opposing fan bases because God knows we're willing to give it out, and we should. That's part of the fun of being a fan. But we do have to occasionally take it, and that's what we had to do on Sunday. And after a performance like that, even more so. And if that comes from Michigan fans, fine. Though I ask you this. Would you trade the season that Illinois had for the season that Michigan had? Yes, I know Michigan's going to play in the second weekend of the tournament. They might even get to the Elite Eight, though I think that Villanova will get them. And if not, good luck getting past Houston or Arizona. If they do, then I will have to take back my Juwan Howard isn't a good coach thing, because that would be pretty incredible. But as we sit here right now, let's say Michigan season ends in the Sweet 16. Would you trade seasons with them? Much as I like March success, I remember conversations with Jeremy Warner back on J and then Tane Carp when we would do some crossover stuff, and he kind of opened up my eyes to this idea that it really is more about winning Big Ten titles. March success is fleeting. There's a lot of luck involved. Illinois has not gotten the best draws in the last two years, not to excuse the second-round performances, which have been paltry at best, but they are not getting the likes of Colgate and Iowa State, which Wisconsin in Milwaukee couldn't even take advantage of. What I'm saying is there are worse lots in life than what we as Illini fans have had in the last three years. In fact, there aren't many programs I can pinpoint in the country, probably 10, 11, maybe 12 more that I'd say, oh, I trade with them. And that's a remarkable turnaround. The fact that Brad Underwood has you as a top 15 program again in year five and the future, in my mind, looks as bright as ever. That's a far cry from where we stood last year and certainly a far cry from where we stood five years ago. And that's why maybe I, I, I just feel completely different than I did last March 22nd or whatever the few days would have been after the Loyola game. This is different. This is different. Now, does that guarantee that March success is going to come? Absolutely not. But think back to Illinois basketball history. Lon Kruger, we would all consider him a pretty damn good coach. We like the Lon Kruger years, especially in hindsight, right? Well, he never got out of the second round. Still a pretty good coach. Would he have gotten out of the second round at some point? You bet. He would have. I mean, Rick Barnes, for God's sake, the guy that we kind of point and laugh at at Tennessee and Texas for all the early exits his teams have had. I think he's 23 and 23 in the tournament. Again, you could do worse. He has made Sweet 16s and Elite 8s, might have even made a Final Four. You keep getting in the NCAA tournament and you will break through. I have no doubt about that. It just kind of sucks that the sample sizes are small. And while you will, as Illini fans, get grief, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever it may be, 
we got to keep in mind the context of this and that you are now on the other side of a turnaround. And yes, eventually you got to start winning in March. You do. But as the 48 hours have passed since that Houston game, I keep going back more to the sense of gratitude that Illinois basketball is relevant. It's entertaining. It's back. And while the last three games put a sour taste in our mouth, that is not going to erase the accomplishment that this team got under some difficult circumstances. And if anything, I feel more emboldened to say that Brad Underwood is going to lead this program into even more successes. And whereas last year, there was the sense that you blew the one chance you had. I mean, I even said that on this podcast, and I don't think I was alone in feeling that we blew it. That sense is not there this year, knowing what's coming in, knowing what could come back, knowing that in this landscape of college basketball, you can rebuild and retool your roster almost immediately, feeling good about the coaching staff that has surrounded Brad Underwood, feeling good about the NIL and how it works here at Illinois and the fact that if you played Illinois and have success, you're going to make a lot of money. That's a great selling point. All these things together lead me to believe that this program is in a very, very good place. So this is going to be a podcast of gratitude, of happiness. I mean, that's I want to bring you guys some positivity on a Tuesday because it does suck that we are not looking forward to a game Thursday. I wish we were. I so badly wish we were. But the more time passes, the more I think this team did about what could have been expected of it, and they have something tangible to show for it. And that was my goal from the outset of this year. They got that part of it done, and the other stuff, unfortunately, will have to wait. But did they come up empty? Not at all. So let's talk about that. Now, before I get too far into this, my God, I'm almost 10 minutes into this podcast. Got to remind you, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They got custom zones for any topping that you want or with any topping that you want, or some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. You can order online and they deliver anywhere in Champaign Urbana. That's dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. And as time has passed since Sunday, I'm ready to wear my Big Ten Champs t-shirt again. It is something worth celebrating, and it's the best Big Ten Championship t-shirt that I've seen for Illinois basketball. So go on to 4th and Kirby.com, vintage-inspired Illini apparel, t-shirts, hoodies, crewneck sweatshirts, even stickers. I got this big Yeti cooler, and it's decked out in 4th and Kirby stickers. These guys are the goods, 4th and Kirby.com. Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. It is springtime, as you can see outside. A little swampy, maybe, but hey, spring has sprung, and it's time to get started on your next home exterior project. Uh, RectorConstruction.com for a free estimate today. That's R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is our guy for... Homeowners, auto, we get great State Farm prices and the customer service, second to none. A great dude, great staff that you can count on. Cannot recommend them enough. Go online to brianismyguy.com. That's my State Farm agent. He should be yours as well. Brian Hansen at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. I want to thank you guys for listening. We are not done. We're going to keep doing this through April. And then in the summer, it'll be more intermittent. This will probably be a busy offseason, a lot of upheaval in the roster, but I think a lot of excitement because, you know, last year there was this idea that we weren't going to come back with that strong of a roster at this point. We thought Kofi and Io gone. The Adam Miller thing came shortly thereafter. Oh my God, what if Andre Corbello transfers out? And it all ended up working out pretty swimmingly, if you consider the circumstances. 
So I want to thank you guys for keeping with us through all the games. And now as we get in the off season, I know it can be a little bit tricky to get back into these things because if you're anything like me, sometimes you just want to shut that switch off for a while. And you might be picking up this podcast immediately or you might be waiting a week because you're in the grieving process of not watching Illinois basketball. And it sucks because that is part of what we live for. I mean, that's why you're listening to this. And for God's sake, that's why I do a podcast in my basement and just sit behind a microphone and talk for 30, 40 minutes because I'm passionate about it. We are passionate about this. So thank you for letting the 200 level be part of your Illini media consumption. And I hope that you enjoyed the post-game stuff and, you know, or I should say the second half stuff, the occasional post-game podcast, the ones that we do in the middle of the week. Now, as for why we didn't do one Sunday, I don't know about you, but I knew fairly early in that game Sunday, this ain't happening. Now, that's a bit presumptive because you did tie the game up twice, I think, in the second half. It was a four-point game at halftime. So by margin alone, it did not feel as if, oh, well, this is a sure thing, right? But after starting off, what was it, a 5-2 lead for Illinois? We're thinking, whoa, we actually got a lead in one of these things. Then I think he had seven points when there were 12 or 11 minutes left to go in the first half. And it was just basically the same old story. I've mentioned before in this podcast, I felt like I've been watching the same movie over and over. The Chattanooga game, the Indiana game before that, now this one. And this is not the first time this team could fall into the doldrums pretty quickly. And depending on the opponent, they would maybe or maybe not drag themselves out of it. Knowing the opponent, knowing how good Houston probably was without watching them a whole lot this year, I thought this ain't happening. It's just not in the cards. And I I think those instincts were proven correct fairly quickly. But God dang, it wasn't a fun when we tied it up at 40 all. I think it was 40 all when we tied it up. Or after the RJ Melendez dunk. And even with the technical thinking, uh, we could do this. But I couldn't bring myself to do a live reaction podcast because I needed, for my own sanity, to be as zen as possible. And sometimes that means talking into a microphone. Other times it means going outside on a beautiful Sunday, doing some yard work, and listening to the radio feed instead, which is what I did for some of the first half. I wasn't going to let a day get hijacked by an Illinois loss in the second round. I've done that before. It ain't fun. I'm not going to let my week get ruined by a sporting event that I have no control over. That is a bit hard-headed of me to say, and it's not trying to diminish the importance of Illinois basketball, but it was a conscious choice I had to make. And I don't know if anyone else was in the same boat where you, during the game on Sunday, started to do things a little bit differently. We could be superstitious. I could have worn my Kofi jersey, which had a pretty good record, but not perfect. But I decided, no, I'm just going to go about my day and I'm going to watch the game as much as I can, as much as I can be into it. But I found myself distancing myself from this team and from this game during the the two-hour process there. Not in some dismissive way. That sounds like I'm saying, guys, you gave me the Big Ten title. Frankly, I'm done with you. No, it's not that. It's just that I've been so angry and depressed, quite honestly, about Illinois sports before that it was just a conscious decision. I got to try something different. Now, doesn't mean it wasn't a bummer. When the game was over on this beautiful Sunday, I'd already ran before the game, and I said, I got to go run like two more miles, pump some Dave Matthews Band tripping Billies, enjoy the sun, let it just hit my face and, and clear my head a little bit, and that's what I did. But then I felt pretty good, all things considered. Listen, the game is not really anything we need to rehash. I mean, there were positives. The freshmen, I think, are going to be really good. I absolutely love the freshmen. I was even more excited about the freshmen considering 
you contrast what they were doing on the court with what some of the super seniors were in terms of energy that they brought, and what a contrast. I am very excited for the future. Not to say that Luke Goody's going to be a star. I think he's going to be a very solid piece, though, going forward. I think R.J. Melendez could be a star. I think the numbers would back that up. In limited time this year, he's been extremely productive. He's a crazy good athlete. I think he can be elite defender when all is said and done. And he just makes things happen. And there's a certain intangible quality to R.J. Melendez that has me really excited. You pair that with Ty Rogers coming in, who will be an immediate impact guy. You know what? I'm going to save this topic for another podcast. I'm going to do a whole podcast later this week or this weekend about why the future excites me and things I'm looking for this offseason. But this team, this team on Sunday and this team on Friday and this team the Friday before that against Indiana and more than a few times this year, they usually had a five to 10 minute stretch in a game where they looked like that. Unfortunately, as the season wore down, it was more like 20 to 30 minute increments where they looked bad. Sunday was no exception. Now, I mentioned this is going to be a grateful and happy podcast, but let's talk real quick about why he didn't win on Sunday. Well, let's start with turning the ball over seven times on out-of-bounds plays. I had a tweet that I kind of regret but kind of don't, where I said it was a piss-poor job of coaching by Underwood. And some questioned that, saying, well, he actually did some things. He put the freshman in there. He didn't just stick with what wasn't working. He tried things. I agree with that. But there were two things that really stood out. That could have been the difference in the game because keep in mind that margin did not stretch for Houston until the last six minutes. I do think it's a different game if you are able to somehow take the lead, somehow, someway just take the lead at one point. But you're hamstrung when you turn the ball over seven times on out-of-bounds plays. And you're hamstrung by the insistence at continuing to play DeMonte Williams when he was so, (laughs) so ineffective, if we're being honest, just not doing anything for you. And you could say he's a glue guy and he plays good defense. We weren't stopping Houston. I mean, DeMonte had a few slip-ups defensively, and he's basically a black hole on offense against better teams. That was no exception. And then turning the ball over on top of that, that was an absolute killer. That is coaching. Going with the senior when it's just proving to not work out at all. And finally, he made a a change with that, but then he went back to DeMonte. That is a piss-poor coaching decision. I stand by that. If we talk about coaching in terms of motivating the players to come out and play with a fire under their ass... I mean, you could question that a little bit too. It's weird that I don't have more long-term questions about Underwood, and I'm trying not to have blind spots here. But we now have three NCAA tournament games in a row where you've looked flat. And the Drexel game doesn't really count because they suck so bad anyways. That like, What can you really measure from that? It was a ho-hum 1-16 win. And you won by 20-so points. That's good. But so far, not very good in these NCAA tournament games. And the flatness with which this team has come out and most all of those games, that's got to be a little bit of coaching, right? Or is it the players in execution? Well, it's both. We know that. Or at least, even if it is mostly on the players in execution, I'm sorry, you're getting paid the big bucks to figure that out. Finally, this team did show signs of life against Houston. But if these teams played 10 times, how many times are Illinois winning the game? Twice? Two times out of 10? I think that's about right. Because this Houston team looks every bit as good as the top five Ken Palm team that they are in the metrics, they close the game out like a team um, of Arizona's caliber. That's why I think that Houston-Arizona game is going to be a barn burner. Would not at all surprise me if Houston wins. And if it's anything more than a four or five point margin of victory for Arizona, I'd be shocked. I really would be. Houston looks damn good. 
the only teams this year that I think have been on par with that against Illinois, Arizona and Purdue. I mean, that's basically it. All teams that are in the Sweet 16 right now. So that was my thing with Underwood, though. Ultimately, I'm still not concerned about him as a coach. I'm still not concerned about his game prep. I'm not concerned about him as a motivator. So often this year, he pushed the right buttons in terms of motivating this team and having them ready to respond after weak performances. And while the energy wasn't great against Houston, it was certainly better than it was against Chattanooga. I think maybe some of that had to do with Houston just being that much more athletic overall than you were. I mean, you could put all the energy out there in the world, but you're still going to look slow compared to your opponent when they're a team like Houston. And I think that's maybe where perception and reality don't quite match. So there were some negatives. I mean, there was Trent Frazier, who I think, and I want to make sure I get this number right, but I think the number that Trevor found, Trent Frazier, 3 for 23 combined in his NCAA tournament career. And I love Trent. He is as instrumental in the turnaround for Illinois basketball as anybody. But a jersey in the rafters, that's not a conversation you should be having. He is someone that you will be looking back on as one of our favorite Illini for many, many reasons. Unfortunately, NCAA tournament success is not going to be one of those. And going three for 23, pink eye or not, that's just not good enough. I think he was hamstrung by his size. Not being able to really get shots off, I think that he was probably fatigued there at the end. But that kind of stuff, along with DeMonte not producing and Plummer being more of a one-player or, you know, not a two-way, but a one-way player being good offensively and not defensively, the backcourt really hurt you. Andre Corbello sitting, that is going to be a storyline that I'm going to save for the next podcast because that will be about the team and the program going forward. I, I don't know where Andre Corbello fits in this. He does fit in this if he comes back. I think he can be a phenomenal player, but that was quite the message from Underwood to say, you either play disciplined or you don't play at all. And it was a decision he had to make with the season on the line. And I don't think there was any point in the second half you could have brought him in and trusted him to make the right play. It's a shame. And I think that that can be fixed. I love Andre Corbello. I want him to be here. I want this thing to work out. And I hope it does. But I understand why that move was made. So yes, Underwood was making changes. Kudos to him for that. He was making the kinds of desperate changes you need to make when desperation calls for it. Desperate times, desperate measures. That was a game where Illinois had to throw out the kitchen sink. And thank God for the freshman. Really excited about that. But overall, that game, you know, what are we going to take away from it other than another second round disappointment, which as Illinois fans were familiar with? So what are we left with this season? Well, what we're left with is a team that went 15 and 5 in the Big Ten. And what was it, 23 and 10 overall, I think is the final record, which is one of the better records in Illinois basketball history, or at least on par with some Bill Self teams and early Weber years and certainly the Lon Kruger era and some Lou Henson teams. This is a team that if we look back in the media guide years from now, we're going to see the highlight of a Big Ten title and think, wow, that was a pretty successful season. I'm looking this at this in terms of program building and how in the last two years you have won tangible things that you would not want at this program in a long, long time. A Big Ten tournament, first time since 2005. Big Ten title, first time since, well, 2005. 17 years is a really long time for something I'd been craving, something that as time went on, I realized how I didn't take it for granted back in the day, but as a younger fan, I just grew accustomed to it. I thought that Big Ten titles were just part of our destiny. We're Illinois basketball, that's what we do, but that's not the case if you don't have the right guy at the head of the program, well, now you do again, and you're winning 
tangible things. You're putting banners in the rafters. And it's pretty remarkable if you think about it, that in five years, Brad Underwood has basically inherited something that was kind of like when Lou Henson got here back in the late 70s. It took Lou, I think, seven or eight years for that 83-84 Big Ten title and Elite Eight run. Now, before that, he had some good teams, right? Eddie Johnson and Mark Smith, and they beat number one Michigan State. I know they struggled down the stretch in 1980, but there were some good teams. It was a buildup, right? And it all culminated in 83-84, and then five years later in 88-89. But the 80s were a pretty damn good run for Illinois basketball, and even then, they only had one Big Ten title in the entirety of Lou Henson's career. Brad Underwood already has one. If there would have been Big Ten tournaments back then, I'm sure Illinois would have gotten one, but guess what? Brad Underwood? already has one, has the same number of Big Ten tournament titles as Bruce Weber and Bill Self. Not bad, right? Already within five years and having to build it himself. The way that I view the last three years is a sort of package deal. It was an era of Illini basketball that finally brought us the sort of fun and excitement that I was used to back in middle school and high school. And I thought when I became a freshman at the U of I, the senior year of D and James, that that was basically our right in life, our lot in life, I should say. Illinois basketball, top 15, top 10 program, this is who we are. But I was on the court, Penn State 2006, Rich McBride, buzzer beater that wasn't. And of all the moments in my Illini basketball fandom that I pinpoint as the beginning of the end, that was it. I remember walking out of the assembly hall, the then assembly hall, and me and my friend Matt were just absolutely shell-shocked, thinking, what did we just witness? Did, did, something's broken. I mean, we were invincible at home. This isn't right. This isn't what we signed up for. And of course, he didn't win another Big Ten title or Big Ten tournament title for 16, 17 years. So that was the beginning of a really dark era. And we can point at a few seasons that weren't so bad. 2009, he finished fourth in the Big Ten forcing the NCAA tournament, but you lost in the first round of Western Kentucky. Dimitri McKamey and those guys, they made a couple tournaments. Okay, John Gross, his first year was fun for what it was. But for the most part, this was a very dark era of Illinois basketball, and you were irrelevant in the Big Ten and certainly irrelevant nationally. That cannot be said anymore. So that remarkable turnaround all really happened within five years, but more specifically, we have three consecutive years now of very fun Illini basketball. I'll even be more specific than that. Really more like two and a half, because if you think about it, I think the rebuild as we know it, or I should say the turnaround as we know it, started at Purdue, and this would have been in the early part of January 2020. You went to Purdue and you just smoked them. This, I think, was on the heels of a game at Michigan State where you lost by 20 points. And at that point, after losing to Michigan State and Missouri before that, and then the first two Big Ten games, I think you beat Michigan at home, but you lost that game at Maryland where you were up by 20 points or something. We still weren't sure. We knew we had talent, but was it going to come together? And then, boy, did it come together. January, February, and early March of 2020, even with a four-game losing streak in the middle of it, and Io DeSumo getting hurt, even with all of that, that was when we got swept up in this wave of, holy crap, we're back. We're going to be a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. We were a game away from winning the Big Ten title. And that wave all culminated in that Sunday against Iowa at home, blocking Luka Garza, Kofi getting the block on Luka in that game, Iowa with some clutch stuff late. And my dad and I walking out of there on cloud nine. No, we didn't win a Big Ten title, but we beat our rival and Illinois basketball was back. This was just the beginning, right? COVID hits. And then you get 2020, 2021. 
the COVID impacted year where we didn't unfortunately get to see the team in action in person. Yet, all of the memories that we had that year, winning at Cameron Indoor Stadium, absolutely smoking them. DJ Stewart, the guy that spurned the Alana, he didn't do crap. We beat them by 15 points. Georgie Bashanishvili was great that game. Yeah, you lost to Missouri, so the non-conference is a little bit inauspicious. But then the Big Ten, you went on this run from Iowa on January 29th of 2021, I believe, through the end of the year. That is unlike any run that I had seen since 2005. You finish percentage points out of a Big Ten title that we all know that's bunk. Don't let Michigan fans tell you any different. And then you go for a magical Big Ten tournament run. This is the same weekend that my mom had gotten her liver transplant. Now, not to equate the two. That's apples and oranges. But for my family, Illinois basketball has always been very intrinsically linked to everything that we do. And it's what we talk about. It was the dinnertime conversation. And now when we get together as family for birthdays or whatever, it's still the conversation. It just so happened to coincide with when we were up in Chicago for a life-changing week for my mom. And it was, I can say, legitimately one of the best weeks of my life. Of course, with my mom getting a liver transplant, right? But being in the city of Chicago on a beautiful spring week, and it just felt like hope sprang eternal. COVID was starting to fade at that point. Illinois was making a run in the Big Ten tournament. We got a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I know what happened the following weekend against Loyola. It sucks. It will always suck. It will always be a blemish. But that does not at all take away from what came before it. And we all know how we felt when we beat Ohio State in overtime in the Big Ten tournament. And we knew we had won something tangible, that we were going to have something to show for that particular season. That is a feeling that no one will ever take away from us. And that's a feeling that as we continue to rack up accomplishments and hang banners and get rings, you're going to count every single one of those. It's going to have its own identity and its own flavor and color in your mind. And that is something that we should hold on to. And I know I certainly will. And that led to this year. If you recall April of 2021, things didn't look good. Adam Miller transferred out. Iowa was gone. You had lost to Loyola. Kofi, transfer portal. Coaches, leaving. It was just one hit after the other. And many times in the text thread with Isaac and Trevor, I was thinking, guys, I want to be the older voice of reason and say it's all going to work out. But I couldn't bring myself to do that because at the moment, things were not working out. Everything that was, could go wrong was going wrong. And yet somehow, someway, Brad Underwood not only salvaged things, but put together a really good roster, has a coaching staff that looks to be pretty stable at the moment. Tim Anderson is an ace recruiter. Chester Frazier, great homecoming for him. And Jeff Alexander, pretty damn good at his job as well. So we had the stability now when we could have had total instability and chaos. That is the sign of a really good head coach. And then you have a good roster to boot. And you go off and win, what, 23 games in a Big Ten regular season title? And no luck involved. We can say there's luck with Nebraska beating Wisconsin. Bullcrap. Wisconsin sucked at the end of the year even more than you did. Imagine being a Badgers fan right now. You get great guard. You get you can look forward to that. Have fun with that. No, I will take our lot in life, even with Wisconsin and the immense amount of luck that they've gotten. I think we're in pretty good shape right now. And this season was the culmination of three years, a three-year era of Illini basketball where you did accomplish a lot. Don't let tweets from national writers saying Illinois blew it dissuade you from what's really going on here. Yes, you struggle in the NCAA tournament in the last two years. That's a shame. I hate it. And that is worth talking about until you break through and make the second weekend and beyond in the NCAA tournament. But keep in mind, anecdotal as this may be, Jay Wright, I think from 2010 to 2015, never made it out of the second 
round of the NCAA tournament. There was a time when Villanova was always the sexy pick, but then you'd have someone say, now wait a second, you know what they do in March? They always lose early. They were a perpetual two seed that always lost to the seven or 10 in the second round. Well, I would say Jay Wright's done okay for himself. National title, final fours, plenty of second weekend trips. There is something to be said about getting over that hump, and it's going to feel so good when they do, and I think it is a question of when and not if. This level of success that Brad Underwood has had in the last three years, that is not fluky in any way, shape, or form. He has dominated in the Big Ten, and while the conference, I think, is overrated, and I think we all kind of agree with that to some extent, we still have two teams in the Sweet 16, Purdue and Michigan, and chances are Purdue, with the road that they have, might make a Final Four this year, deservedly so. So can you reach that level? 100%. Now, it's not easy. It takes luck. But as I said earlier in this podcast, if you get Wisconsin's road, Colgate, and Iowa State, you're in the Sweet 16, even with how you were playing. Unfortunately, you didn't. And that's really been part of the Illinois NCAA tournament experience. We've gotten a few breaks. You know, we had Creighton a 12 seed back in 2002, and we took advantage of that to make the Sweet 16, only, lo- only to lose, excuse me, to Kansas and Drew Gooden, and that was a very frustrating game. And you've had other second-round losses as well to teams like, okay, Chattanooga back in 1997. That's a case where you had the luck and you didn't take advantage of it. But for the most part, you basically played everything scratch. You know, you played the seed that you were supposed to. Very rarely does an upset happen to set up an easy second-round matchup for Illinois. And that's just how it goes. You know, I could sit here and say, oh, we're so unlucky. But you know what? Whether it's karmic or not, I got to think that somehow, some way, the luck will come back in your favor for the NCAA tournament. We will see. But as it stands right now, this is a program that is in a very healthy place. And I think that for as frustrating as those last three games were and as frustrating as this team could be, ask yourself, did they probably accomplish what they could have? Do you feel like you're wanting for more from this particular roster? Or do you think they kind of maxed out what they were? I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and just look at the last three games and say, well, you know, guys, let's be honest. They were deeply flawed. But all these things that we saw in the last three games, we saw intermittently throughout the year. And if we're going to ask ourselves, what was the peak for this team? We'd probably say the week where they beat Wisconsin at home, Snowmageddon 2022, right? And then when they won on the road at Indiana. Now, as time went on, we found out that neither of those two teams were particularly great, but they were good enough, and Illinois looked really good that week. Then there were games like at Michigan State looked pretty good. At Michigan looked pretty good. But even the Iowa game at home, that was a gritty-ass win. There's no doubt about it. But did Illinois look super efficient and super sexy that game? No, they got it done to their credit against a red-hot Iowa team, but we still saw the flaws. We still saw that this was not a perfect team by any measure. And at the end of the day, they were probably just pretty good. A pretty good team with a favorable NCAA seating and favorable matchups in the first two rounds, pretty good is often good enough to make the Sweet 16. Sometimes you can be positively mediocre like Iowa State with Isaiah Brockington from Penn State and Gabe Klauscher from Minnesota leading the way to a Sweet 16 over Wisconsin. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, or in Illinois' case, pretty good. But that's not what happened, right? And it's a shame in some ways that we will often think that the way a season ends will dictate how we feel about it. That if they would have just beaten Houston, we would have felt that much better about this year. Well, that's certainly true. And after watching Houston, that's very true. I would have felt ecstatic if somehow we would have pulled off a win against that Houston team. But you didn't. 
So did anything fundamentally change during those two hours on Sunday that makes me feel any different about this team? No. The same frustrations I had with them were there, but also the memories that I was able to attain throughout the season, those are going to be there as well. And there is a tangible banner. And there's a moment, and let us not forget, winning the Big Ten title at home, sold out crowd, the catharsis that we felt on that Sunday just over two weeks ago. That's an all-time moment. That podcast that I did afterwards, late into the night, an hour and a half with Isaac, and then Trevor joined us as well. It was called Once in a Lifetime because in my 35 years, I'd never experienced that moment where you got to clinch on the final day of the year at home. I don't know if in the rest of my life I'll ever experience that again. I'm sure there'll be other Big Ten titles, fingers crossed, but in that particular way against your rival, I mean, that's storybook stuff. That's like when I was a kid, I would write these fictional sports stories and they would always have these outlandish endings that were very cinematic but rarely happen in sports. For an Illini fan, can you write it up any better than the last day of the year? Wisconsin loses to Nebraska at home, and three hours later, you take on Fran McCaffrey's Iowa team, red hot, according to all the metrics, a top five team in the nation at that point, and beat them after being down 15? I mean, anyone that was lucky enough to be there, that was special. That's not going to go anywhere. That is what Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams and Jacob Grandison, Alfonso Plummer, Kofi Coburn... All these guys, and especially the ones that were here for four or five years, right? That's what they deserve. And that is something that I hope has an impression on these freshmen and sophomores, that this is what is expected here. This is what you can do at Illinois. What I love about the building of a program and a culture is that now it is expected in Ty Rogers' mind, Jaden Epps, Sincere Harris, any of the guys coming in the transfer portal, there is now something distinct to sell. Illinois is a Big Ten champion That is what we do. We're like Michigan State. That's what we want to be. Well, you know what? I look at Brad Underwood and think, I think he can be very Michigan State-like. I know that some people would look at him and say, well, don't be like Mark Turgeon, right? Mark Turgeon won a share of the Big Ten title two years ago. I think it was the COVID year, right? They won a share of it. But in his NCAA tournaments, he hardly got out of the second round. And that is ultimately what led to him getting fired. I do not foresee the same fate for Brad Underwood. In fact, I actually expect this to get better. I'm going to try to save most of that for the next podcast, why I think long-term you're in a better position. But yes, some people would look at this and say, you blew two All-Americans, Iowa and Kofi, with nothing to show for it. Well, first off, that's not true. You have two banners to show for it. And it's not like Michigan's going to hang a banner for Sweet 16. Neither would we, neither would any school that is actually a self-respecting school. Sweet 16 is great. It's sexy. It's fun. I so badly wanted it but it is not banner worthy, okay? So you got two banners in the last two years. Now, going forward, I would actually argue that you still have the ability to get better. I think you have the ability to be better next year. When you look at a lot of the issues that this team faced, it was because of a lack of athleticism and size in the backcourt. That is not going to be an issue going forward. That is not to say that next year they are not going to have issues with the youth, have some growing pains for the Ty Rogers and Jaden Epps and Sincere Harris's of the world, or whoever comes in the transfer portal. I mean, Alfonso Plummer was hot and cold, and I think whoever you get in the transfer portal, how many times are they just a straight-up stud through and through? It's hard to bank on that. But I do think that the kind of athlete and the kind of size that you're bringing in here is more in line with the teams that you see advance to the Sweet 16 and beyond in the NCAA tournament. Look at Houston as one more example. This is a team that didn't have a Kofi Coburn. Because why? They didn't need it. 
They got a bunch of 6'4 to 6'7, 6'8 guys. You can call them flying Illini style if you want. But basically, they were a bunch of athletes that took it to you defensively that were able to defend and lock down your two best shooters and Trent Frazier. And Plummer got his, fortunately. But yeah, you saw Trent struggle. Why? He's six foot one. Pretty good athlete, but not like that. So I do think that long term, the prospects are very good. And that the idea that, well, you blew Iowa and Kofi, which, by the way, who's to say Kofi doesn't come back anyway? I think that's a little short-sighted. So I'm excited for the long term, but also grateful for what this team accomplished. And that's what I really wanted to focus on today. Illinois basketball means the world to me and a lot of other people, and obviously to you if you're listening to a podcast like this. And as I sit here 48 hours removed from that, there is the disappointment that, come on, guys. What a sour taste to leave in our mouths after a Big Ten title. Of course there's that. There is room to criticize the performance because the performance, quite frankly, wasn't good enough. But this team gutted out a lot of other wins this year, and they gave this coaching staff and this program something tangible to sell going forward, and it gave this fan base some all-time memories. And really, isn't that what all sports is about anyways? As a fan, all you can hope for is that the teams that you root for give you memories that last a lifetime. And this team did that in the last three years have done that. And not only have the last three years done that, but they've done so during some of the hardest three years of any of our lives. And not to get too dramatic about it, but if you think about the way the COVID has impacted everybody's life, this program gave us something to look forward to when there wasn't a whole hell of a lot else to look forward to. That is something I will be eternally grateful for. And I think we've only just begun. Not to quote the Carpenters, and I know that's a little bit cheesy considering my name is Mike Carpenter, but I really do think this is the start of something special and not the end of a fruitful yet unsatisfying March Madness era for Illinois. I think that's entirely short-sighted. And you should be both bummed that it's over but excited to see what comes next. And I think that's the mindset of most Illinois fans. Final point here. On Twitter, I made reference on Sunday. Trent Frazier was kind of going after negative comments from fans. And he has every right to do that. I thought the look wasn't so great after you didn't perform all that well in yet another big game. Here's my big point with that, though. And I want to reiterate, before I even go any further with this, Trent is one of my all-time favorite Illini. I mean, he is one of all of our all-time favorite Illini, and I think he basically maxed out his potential. I think fatigue was a lot to do with how he was playing down the stretch. Not to excuse it, but I do think there's some reasoning behind it. Here's the thing, though. When it comes to social media, and this is youth probably coming from Trent, even as a 23-year-old, there are going to be complete jackasses on social media. There are going to be people behind their avatars that will say things they'd never say in person. There are probably people that say terrible, hateful things. I'm sure there are. I'm sure the DMs and the mentions are abysmal. But I'm guessing that 90% of them are actually quite positive. And I want to pull this up here because there was a really good tweet from Matt Loveless who was a local TV sports guy, and then he went out to Washington State And let me make sure I get this right here. He went to Washington State. He's a journalism professor now. And he found uh, this thing that they call bias toward the negative. This is his tweet. There could be a thousand supportive tweets, but they're responding to the three that were mean. Human nature. He's referring to what Trent was doing on Sunday after the game. And Matt Loveless went on with another reply. Case in point, more than 200 replies to Trent's tweet, which said, this is Trent's. Keyboard warriors for the win today, but not going to let you haters, internet losers, spoil the amazing season we have this year. 
That was what Trent had said. Matt Loveless went through 200 replies. He found one negative one. Frustrated about highlighting, not ignoring online criticism. I don't see the DMs, but an overwhelming supportive fan base here in the replies. There have been a lot of things in the last few weeks to indicate from Josh Whitman's letter about you know, what the Orange Crush should or shouldn't say. And from Trent Frazier saying, you know, come on, haters, whatever, go away. That's fine. They have every right to do that. But what I think gets lost in that is the fact that Illini fans are overwhelmingly supportive. And it breeds this sort of narrative that Illini fans are super toxic, when in actuality, every fan base has toxic assholes. That's just what it is. My God, do you think Kentucky after St. Peter's? How many Kentucky players do you think got told to go off themselves after the St. Peter's game? I'm guessing most of them, if I'm being honest. And that's just unfortunate realities of social media and toxic fan bases, or I should say toxic fans, of which there are always going to be those no matter who you're rooting for. I think my frustration with this also boils over into the Andre Corbello thing, where yes, people on the internet have criticized Andre Corbello's play with good reason. He was kind of a mess this year, right? He wasn't the Andre Corbello that we grew accustomed to last February and March, where he was disciplined much more than he was this year. Andre Corbello gets asked about that. Even from you know Jeremy and the guys at Alana Inquirer, every right of theirs to ask that. I do wonder, though, sometimes when these things get asked, if it doesn't breed a sort of false narrative, or I should say a narrative that is a little bit exaggerated, let's say. Where, of course, there are people in any reporter's timeline saying, why the hell is Andre Corbello playing? Mike Tulip had Mike LaTulip had a great podcast with Jeremy explaining why Corbello was so valuable. I agree with everything that he said, right? But that doesn't mean that fans are not going to criticize or be annoyed or frustrated with a performance like what we saw on Sunday from Andre Corbello. So my point here is that while the players have every right and the coaches have every right, or and Josh Whitman has every right to write a letter, I'm a little concerned that in doing so, they are highlighting the extreme minority. And it is creating this sense that Illini fans are especially surly and toxic. And I just don't think that's probably accurate, especially in comparison to other fan bases. That's my only leeriness with it. Nothing more than that. It is entirely their prerogative to say. And Trent, all-time Illini. He really is. Um, This was a long season in a lot of ways. And I'm saying that as a fan. So imagine as a player and everything they went through, injuries, illness, and probably just dealing with being a kid in 2022 and dealing with a bunch of jerks on social media. It can be a lot. I'm sure it's a lot more than I've ever had to deal with and certainly more than I had to deal with when I was 22, 23 years old. So they did it with grace. They did it with class. They were a tough team, not always pretty, but the fact is they're Big Ten champions. That is something that will never be taken away from him. And like Brad Underwood said on that video, which I recommend you go check out on the Illinois Basketball Twitter account, something he said, in 20 years, you guys will be coming back here and we'll be celebrating you. And that is the truth. And I cannot wait to be there in 2042 and reminiscing about this year, which was not always easy and not always even fun, but damned if it wasn't fruitful and damned if it wasn't memorable. And I want to thank them for that because in these last two, three years, Illinois basketball is back, and it's reminded us why we root for Illinois basketball in the first place. All right, I want to thank you all for listening to this podcast. All about gratitude, a few criticisms, of course. That's what we do here, but it's all out of love. 
And when we come back later this week or this weekend, the next thing is going to be looking forward to offseason storylines and why I think next year's team has a chance to be pretty damn good, a lot different, but pretty damn good as well. I do think this program is now in a place where the baseline has been raised exponentially. I think with the transfer portal, name, image, likeness stuff, Illinois basketball is in as healthy a position as it's been since the Bill Self era. And I'm going to sit back, relax, and enjoy the transfer portal madness and, and some names will come and go and we'll dream about this guy and get burned by this guy, but ultimately have faith that things will work out because guess what? After all the things that happened last year, Brad Underwood put together a staff and a roster that won a Big Ten title. There's no reason for me to think that he can't do the same thing again this year. And yes, if I am making a prediction, it is this. Illinois will be competing for another Big Ten title next year. Why? A lot of teams are losing big-time pieces next year, so the Big Ten, I think, will regress. I also think that he has this program in a place where they will sustain the level that they're winning at in this conference. So that is a prediction. They will be competing for a Big Ten title. You heard it here first on March 22nd, 2022. Grateful. Gratitude. That is this theme of this particular podcast. I hope you're feeling some of that, too. All right, DP Doe, I'm grateful for them. 15-plus years in service on campus. Steve and the guys at DP Doe, they, they just make great food. There's a reason why they've been around for this long. So order online today at dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That is dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com for all your vintage-inspired Illini apparel, T-shirts, crewneck sweatshirts, and hoodies. Fourth and Kirby has it all, including a Big Ten championship t-shirt which i have and will proudly sport throughout the summer very good stuff as always from the guys fourth and kirby rector construction i'm on r-e-c-t-o-r construction.com for all your home exterior needs it's springtime so get a free estimate today for your next home exterior project at rectorconstruction.com and state farm agent brian hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life auto home business renters you name it brian is my guy and he can be your guy at Com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. I want to thank you guys again for tuning in and appreciate the support. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level. Please.